Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Well, hello and welcome to a very special MotorWeek podcast, number 45 in our ongoing series. I'm John Davis, of course, and joining me here in Studio C is Road Test producer and two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson. Thanks for having me, John. You're very welcome, Brian. And over-the-edge writer and producer and host, Stephen Chupnik. Hello. You thought, thought, thought I was a little pause there. And our staff writer, Shamit Choksi. <laughs> now, that's sort of the introduction there. I sort of went off, off <sighs> schedule because uh, Brian Robinson has been, of the three at the table, has been on the show the longest. How long? About 14 years. And, uh, Stephen, you're the newbie. I'm only about two years. And Shamit. Five? Uh, about five years. Okay. The reason we're doing that is we're going to talk about and celebrate on this podcast the 30th season of Motor Week, which in television terms is uh, pretty much a, an unheard of uh, situation. Right up there with uh, Meet the Press. and uh, Yeah, I think they probably beat us, but uh, it's been a long time. Um, so we're going to not have our normal podcast uh, uh, routine and format. We're going to talk uh, amongst ourselves about things from the past. You know, according to my calculation, uh, we've road tested somewhere around 5,000 cars and trucks over those 30 years. An awful lot of miles uh, under our uh, wheels. Uh, we've traveled the globe. Those in this room have uh, probably racked up more frequent flyer miles than they ever dreamed they would. Um, our viewers tell us that when they watch the series that they're always surprised at some of the places uh, that we go. So let's just start talking. Let's actually stop on that little aspect. What do you think from the folks that you talk with when you go home or out of town? What do you think they watch Motor Week that surprises them? Has, any, has anyone come up to you and say, gosh, I couldn't believe you did that? Brian, go ahead. You start. Um, what's the question? What are people? So, yeah, what do, what do you think people are most surprised at uh, on Motor Week? What have uh, they told you? Well, if they're anything like me, they're surprised it actually gets out every week. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like a fire drill around here. Yeah, just everyone assumes that we're just in Ferraris and Corvettes all the time. But you know, there's a lot of minivans and stuff like that too. So it's maybe not quite as exciting as everyone. I usually have to bring them back down to earth a little bit and be like. Yeah, this last month I've just been driving minivans and SUVs. What about you, Shamit? Let me turn the question around a little bit. You've Mm -hmm. been with the show about five years. What has surprised you most in that time? And you also obviously have a lot of friends. What are they they surprised about? Well, I mean, when you first start with Motor Week, uh, it's... I mean, in a way, it's a it's a dream job because if you love cars, you're immersed in cars, and then on top of that, you get to go to cool places to drive these amazing cars and not so amazing cars. I don't. My friends were uh, enamored by the job. The you know when I first started, I don't talk about it as much anymore because they've they hate me now. <laughs> uh, so I don't tell them where I'm going or you know because either they you know they just don't want to hear it anymore. But um, no, they're just they're surprised by you know we we test everything. I mean it's this mm-hmm. is not this is not just American cars. It's not just. Uh, Consumer market cars. We, we've, I mean, we've driven everything from my box to 
tiny little electric. I mean, you name it, everything in between. So, I mean, I'm always astounded. Every day is different here, and, and that's the best part of, the, of, of being here. Now, Stephen, you, banks, you, unlike the rest of us, you meet more people that are not necessarily directly in the auto industry. Uh, what do they tell you? I think, you know, they're just kind of surprised that the show has one has lasted um and not in a bad way but that of everything that's that's gone on i mean there's there's top gear that that has really taken off you know in britain internationally but internationally yeah. but it, you know it's come here you know you have the internet you have everything that's gone but it's still continued to come on and you know not to you know toot your horn but everybody asks me all the time he goes how's john you know we love john and you know and, <laughs> well, and thank you that's very sweet and that is probably the 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 most question i asked is it's john davis right he's always oh, i you know i love him and and you know again not to so you know, he's gonna get a raise next yeah. week <laughs> people ask but, do, you ever, do you ever meet john like, uh yeah i, I usually well. say no i've never <laughs> met him yeah he's just he but i guess what i'm i'm curious about is are people surprised when they meet members of our staff uh are they expecting something different like when they meet you Stephen? you're out there doing all your over the edge segments and you do some pretty outrageous stuff I, I think you know i think they know the show and i think they're what they're surprised about is that we are everyday people we're not you know speak for yourself well we're, we're not championship race drivers exactly yeah, exactly true. and then i think that's you know we're we really are down home people yeah. you know just regular people that get to drive different cars. Now, everybody always asks me, you know, all right, you know, you've tested all these cars. Are the, What are the most memorable? And I must say, we, we actually did a list of, of memorable cars because it's very difficult to carve out a few that you really like. But in your tenures here, uh, is there any car that's just impressed you more than others or even a couple of cars? Brian? Probably the, the one that always stands out was the first time I drove a Dodge Viper. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that car scared me to death. And, you know, I was on a track. And you don't scare easily. Yeah, You're the motorcycle yeah. guy. That, that that car was just insane to me. I'd never driven anything like that. I mean, you drive a 911, and, you know, it's perfect. Everything about it is perfect. That car was just constantly out of control. You we were fighting it. And that, that was probably one of the ones that sticks in my mind. All yeah. engine. Yeah. Jimmy? I'm going to have to say the R8. Uh, nice. Yeah, beautiful car, uh, incredible. It's a supercar. It's just uh, I've fallen in love with it. Yeah, uh, Audi certainly has made a lot of and, uh, and good impressions. With and, that. and you know, I have one of the coolest. Not only, um, you know, as a, as an auto journalist, it's like what you want is the greatest commute home. And I have a, a sixty minute back road commute all the way home, so I've, I get the best roads. And you know, you drive something like an R eight home. You're not only are people craning to look at the car, but you actually get to. You get to you get to take tight turns and and you know it's 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 fun going home and coming to work every day because of these cars and the roads that I travel. Steven, this might surprise a lot of people, but a minivan. Um, we had a long term oh caravan, uh, and I've I've never check please. Uh, no, and, <laughs> and I think I think everybody has a stigma on a minivan, right. and I got in that car, and I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I actually like. Stephen Chubnick just had twins. I just want to qualify. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good and, point. And we yeah. actually, and funny enough, just bought a Dodge Caravan. So, uh, you know, it's... So it's, you are our minivan king on the staff. It, yeah. And, but, but you know, of all the cars, I think the first time where I got, uh, the first time I was, I was driving a Camaro and I stalled out 
and I freaked out because I didn't, I wouldn't start, and I, you know, eventually I took off. But it was so cool to start the engine and just go. <laughs> that was just really neat. Yeah, it's very different, very difficult to to get down to just one or two cars over the entire time we've been on the air. I, I used to own uh, a Corvette, and the uh, when GM first resurrected the uh, ZR1 back, I guess in the early '80s, uh, I had a chance to drive that in Europe, and that was a pretty special mm-hmm. uh, event. And that car has always stuck with me. And that kind of gets me to our next little topic. We do travel a heck of a lot. And I'm and I tell people, look, we, we go a lot of places, we see a lot of airports and a lot of hotel rooms. Because generally when you're in the car, you're trying to go somewhere pretty rapidly, you're on a schedule, you've got a car manufacturer rep sitting next to you, so you're talking the whole time. Right. We've seen the world, but we haven't seen the world. But having said that, uh, all of you have traveled a lot, Brian Robinson probably the most. Any place that you've been that really knocked you out? There, there's a few. One that sticks out. I'm a road trip guy. I love to drive anywhere for long point, periods of time. And uh, when the new Mini first came out, uh, we did a, a rally with old Minis and drove from the southern tip of Ireland to the northern tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a couple of days all through back roads. Really beautiful. That was amazing. Uh, another one was actually well, I was still interning here. I hadn't officially started working here. Uh, took a Jeep on the Rubicon Trail for a couple of days. That was awesome. Uh, I've always been into outdoor stuff and, and camping. And uh, I was like, this is incredible. I've got to do whatever I can to get a job here. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then you found out about everything else you <laughs> yeah. had to do. Then one other one, I went to uh, uh, Ferrari's headquarters and their test track mm-hmm. in uh, Maranello. And, and that whole experience... Um, I was there to test a 575M Marinello, and we got to tour the through the factory and the foundry and all that. And the night before, the the Ferrari guy, we're having dinner. He's like, "Why? Well, some bad news. The uh, we're supposed to test on the track tomorrow, but uh, the F1 team is going to be there doing some last minute testing, so we have to share the track with them." <laughs> so I was, you know, here we are out there driving, you know, Ferrari 575Ms, which you know. It's not exactly as loud as a performance car, but then there's these F1 cars out there, and it just those things are phenomenal. And we're here, we're standing right on the track, and you know places where we're hard on the brakes in the 575, they're still on the gas and accelerating, and upshifting, and just to see those cars, and then you know watch them do a couple laps, and then us go out and do a couple laps is cool experience. Shami, how about you? All right, so you guys, I've mentioned this to you guys before, but I've never. Uh, to let our listeners in, in on this, so I, I was eight years old when I took a field trip uh, from in oh, elementary right. school. This is this is when <laughs> we all feel older. I yeah. should say I do. Go ahead. Eight years old. Uh, took a field trip to the Motor Week Studios and met John Davis for the first time I never at that heard time. That. I never heard yeah, that. and I and I decided pretty much at that point that I have to come work for this guy at some point in my life, which I got to do. Um, have taken some really cool trips, some really cool cars. I think the one that takes the cake is uh, the SLR McLaren Roadster on the Autobahn. Um, there's nothing close to... Uh, that's probably as close to, to uh, riding on the back of a missile that I've, uh, that'll ever come. It was uh, an amazing experience. And um, aside from that, there have been a ton of other... I mean, you said Mini. I had a, a great drive with a, with a Mini Clubman in, in Mallorca, Spain, just along the coastal. I mean, Beautiful, it, it, yeah, it's just... It's amazing what we get to do here, and we try not to take it for granted. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, in the end... We're but just we don't to, tell our spouses everything we're doing. No, we don't. We don't. Not we at all. Stephen, right. go ahead. Um, I think two really stand out is uh, recently I was able to go to Japan 
to uh, to drive a an electric taxi um, from a, a company um, was making switchable batteries in cars and they invited me out there and just to be out there and and experience not only Japan but in an electric car that people have never seen really over there before um and to get looks like that to drive on the other side of the road you know that was just a weird incident and um and then i was in montreal and and quebec city uh on a snowmobile and that was in the backwoods of of quebec and you just don't see white and trees at all like that. It was minus six. And, <laughs> I mean, my sweat was freezing in my helmet. And it was just, you look at yourself and you're like, this is just cool. I will say that my most interesting trip has to be uh, Iceland. Right. We went there with Land Rover. And the um, the concept was they were going to take us to where uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth was inspired. Uh, and uh, it was quite a trip. Uh, it was with Bill Baker, who was just uh, starting to leave. He was leaving his post as head of uh, Land Rover um, or PR, and it was an incredible trip that I think uh, everybody that went will never forget. So we've we've all had a chance to go some uh, pretty amazing places. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you didn't mention Detroit? Yeah, really. I forgot about that one. The um, way that the automotive industry has evolved over the last 30 years is uh, pretty staggering. Um, Compared to when you first joined the program or even first got interested in automobiles, what do you think is the biggest change? I would say the biggest change is the fact that there hasn't been much change. I mean, cars have gotten bigger and heavier, but our fuel mileage hasn't gotten that much bigger. We're still, you know, we've been hearing about fuel cells and electric cars for years and just finally getting to the point where we're driving some realistic electric cars. Uh, to me, I, I just think maybe the, the pace of development hasn't been On the as power fast. train. Yeah, yeah. certainly safety, huge strides in safety and convenience and luxury features, but, uh, you know, we're still pretty much burning gas and it's, that's a comforting thought, really, because I remember back in, like, 1980, like, Discover Magazine doing a piece on what travel would be like in 2010, where we are now, and they're talking about, like, floating cars and the Jetsons, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we're not there. We're on wheels, you know? And, and it's kind of cool, but you're right. Safety has gone up tremendously, and those are the things that are more important than, you know, floating three feet above the ground. I don't know. Well, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, we're in 2010, and not to bring a movie into it, but Back to the Future went to 2010. And there were, you know, floating skateboards, floating cars, you know, flying cars. And and we're not even remotely close to that. No, uh, but I think electric cars, I don't think anyone would have actually thought that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that we'd actually be driving electric cars, that uh, that there would always be gas. Yeah, unsatiable uh, supplies. uh, I agree really with everything that everyone at the table has said. I think the thing that staggers me the most, and Pat Goss and I talk about this a lot, is the complexity. Uh, When this show started, you could still open the hood and and basically Mm. it wasn't too cluttered under there, and there were a few wires, and away you went. And now they're so complex that they're putting shrouds over them because uh, they can't make them really look pretty anymore. Mm. So you've got these big plastic shrouds 
shields that I just think are ridiculous. Uh, so the complexity of the cars, but on the other hand, they're much better. I mean, they're safer. They do get better fuel economy. They're much more luxurious, all of the above. Mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned about where we're headed with all of this, uh, with more stuff on the inside of the cars to distract you from driving. Uh, and when I read about, you know, more efforts to make cars drive themselves, that kind of puts a knife right into the heart of enthusiasts. But uh, the cars are better today. People say, yeah, why yeah, aren't they built yeah, like they were yeah. used to? Well, they were death traps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having said that, and t- going back to your movie reference, Stephen and the rest of you, when Motor Week, the movie... And this is our lightning round, so we only have two minutes to chew on this. Mm-hmm. When Motor Week the Movie is produced, who wrote this question? <laughs> Michelle, when Motor Week the Movie is produced and comes to a theater near you, who is going to be cast as you, and what car will your character be driving? That's pretty easy. All right. Well, all right. I'll, you say that's pretty easy? I'll start with yeah. you then, Shamit. I, I think it would have to be... Uh... <laughs> I think it would have to be Eric Estrada in a 79 Corolla. Oh, my goodness. Eric Estrada is good. I was thinking John Stamos for you, too. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I take that as a compliment. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. I, at least I have his hair. Maybe not as good look. All right, Steven, you're the movie I, guy. Uh, yeah, I want Leonardo DiCaprio playing me. You know, you got to – I mean – Shoot for the stars. He's the guy. You have to. I, I mean, I, I've, I, you know, I've, I've been – I've been compared to Adam Sandler and Paul Rudd, and, yeah. Sandler. Yeah, no you know, and, and I, you know, I get you all get these. I do, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, there's, uh, you know, there's a few other people who who I've been compared to who aren't that good looking, and I kind of want someone who's actually good looking to play me, you know, and <laughs> and, and you know, like we talked about before, uh, you know, I've I've got twins, I you know, drive a minivan, you know. That's, you know, Leo can do a minivan. Brian Robinson. Well, to get to the enormous depth of my personality that you all know so well, it would take quite an actor to pull it off. So uh, I think of three guys that could pull it off, and that's uh, Steve Buscemi, Gilbert Gottfried, or, or uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> what would you be driving? You would be driving something old that constantly breaks down and has full of flaws, but uh, he constantly tells people that's character, not flaws. Oh, well, then you're right up my alley uh-huh. because I picked Danny DeVito and a Yugo. Nice. Right. Nice. I love it. We haven't heard the bell yet, but ring uh, the bell, Michelle. <laughs> Danny DeVito, really? <laughs> no. Well, he's my idol. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, now we're going to move on to our Motor Week mailbag. Let's get as far away from that question as possible. But this question comes from Chris right here in our home state of Maryland. It says, seems most manufacturers create a space for the rear license plate to reside, but not one for the front. They usually have to pin it on the bumper with some kind of hang-on. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Interesting question. That's a very good question, Chris. Yeah. Well, I think the simple answer is is that the states, an awful lot of states, and I don't know the number, require. Uh, do not require right. a I front license like a half plate. dozen or so maybe that have front plates? Yeah, it's, not it's not the majority that require front plates, and so the car maker stylists don't want to mess up the front end yeah. with a license plate hanger if they don't have to. Right. I think that's probably the, the biggest answer. Also, it gives the dealers 
a chance to charge you one another thirty or forty bucks for that license plate hanger on the front. Wow! You know, so there's a little profit motive there. Mm -hmm. But I think primarily it's because the stylists just want to keep the front ends as clean as possible. And after all, the front end is the face on a car. And if you don't have to wear something on your face, you probably won't, unless it's your choosing. I don't even think it's just the the people who are designing the car. I think it's the people who are buying the car. People they don't want no no one wants this little ugly thing in in the front of your car. You want or a little indentation. Or an indentation, right. You want wrong. a clean a clean front. Yeah. Well, that, uh, I hope that, Chris, that answers your question, because obviously in Maryland, we do have to have front license plates, and we do have to have the little hanger-ons uh, and all the, the extras that go with that. Before we close um, our Motory podcast that we've talked about, our 30th anniversary, I want to go around the table one oh. more time. Anything else about your time with Motor Week that you want to tell anybody that, that just sticks in your mind? Uh, I was I was amazed just thinking about it that I've been here almost half of the shows run, which which kind of blows my mind just from hearing all the stories uh, from when I first um, from before I started working here. I mean, it seemed like a much cooler place and a lot more cool and exciting. <laughs> it out. really is. So uh, it seems like it's been around for a hundred years, and I've just gotten this small boring chunk of it. But uh, I was kind of amazed by that. How about you, Shamit? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's kind of a legendary place. It's been around for a long time. I mean, if you stand in the offices and look around, I mean, there's posters and people there's that have been around for decades. You know? So, you know, and I'm still like, you know, I'm still pretty green and, and uh, new on the block. So I, I go to guys like Robinson and you, John. I'm always asking about, you know, the old days. And I like to hear about that stuff. So, oh, by <laughs> so it, it's fun. It's a, it's a really just a cool place. Stephen, you were, I should say, Stephen was not automotive-oriented when we hired him. Uh, he came, he had, your job before had been in Hollywood. And, yes. And uh, so, really, cars were not in your uh, mainstream. No, and I think that's exactly what surprised me, is that how much I have learned about cars in the auto industry over the past two years. And what do you years. think about it? I mean, you know, it's it's just, I mean, just like movies, there's, uh, you know, a bunch of junk, and then there's some really, really good stuff, and I'd say the majority is really, really good stuff, and, and not to give a plug to the Facebook and Twitter, you know, sites out there, but, you know, I talk to a lot of fans on our Facebook and Twitter site, and, you know, we, it's really neat to hear and, and see what people say about the show from an outside point of view that they really enjoy it. And that's really what this show has been about for 30 years, putting the cars first for the consuming public. We've always said from the beginning that the cars were the stars. And uh, we've stayed true to that philosophy, and uh, we hope that we'll keep doing that in the future. Uh, thank you very much for letting us all reminisce a little bit. That was fun because we really basically just talked off the top of our heads. And thanks for joining us for this special edition of our Motor Week podcast. I I want to give special thanks, as always, to our audio engineer who makes us come through loud and clear, Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixer, and as always, our very able producer, Michelle Parker, the lady with the bell. There she is. And, uh, Michelle, we're overdue to have you uh, sitting up here on the panel, so maybe that's for next time. For all of us at Motor Week, thanks very much for letting us celebrate. I'm John Davis, and be sure to catch Motor Week on your local public television station and also now on HD Theater. Till next time, keep on driving and keep the sunny side up. <laughs> you have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. 
For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station. 